You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Welcome back to The Strong Room on News Talk 770. And now, a conversation with estate planner Norman Ewing about the family home. Norman, something we don't always talk about, and we should, for the benefit of clients at McMillan Estate Planning, and that is real estate and taxes. Uh, Let's take an overview, first of all. Well, Peter, uh, this is something we've seen a lot in the news recently with the run-ups on the markets in uh, Vancouver and, of course, uh, moving over into Toronto. Uh, Things haven't been quite as strong over the last couple of years here in Calgary, but if you look at long-term, people that have held property um, for a number of years, uh, there's an issue of uh, appreciation and value of of those properties. And and what we uh, don't always look at in that uh, equation is is what are the potential taxes on that? uh, What are the potential reports? requirements on that uh, because you know taxes are generally an issue with any um, asset that goes up in value be it cars stocks and of course real estate uh, and this is relevant to uh, most Canadians because of the level of home ownership we see here in Canada uh, you know for the last number of years uh, we've we've seen that uh, number between uh, about 65 and 70 percent I think we're hovering right around 66 percent uh, right now uh, and so you know most Canadians uh, are uh, are going to own a home uh, they'll probably sell that home and and purchase a, a, another home, and and of course, what are the uh, the tax implications of that? Okay, let's start with principal residence exemption because this is the baseline, I think, for a lot of activity that people need to be concerned about with respect to the ownership of property. Yeah, so uh, you know, the principal residence exemption is uh, you know an opportunity in our tax law to um, have uh, you know an asset appreciate in value uh, without paying taxes on that. Uh, you know, with um, uh, you know property, uh, you, you know most people hold it uh, on a uh, um, uh, it's it's not held uh, for um, uh, flipping. Uh, they they hold it on a more long term basis. It's it's a, it's a capital asset, uh, and so there's potential for for capital gains on that. Uh, when it goes up in value. Uh, now, of course, if you've dealt with capital gains in the past, uh, whether it be on property or stocks or things like that, uh, you'll realize that uh, there's only a 50% inclusion in income. Uh, not, the, not the entire gain uh, is taxed. But, you know, if, if the property's gone up uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, we're still looking at significant taxes there. Now, uh, if it's uh, your principal residence, if it's a personal use, uh, you know, it's not a rental or anything like that. It's, it's primarily inhabited uh, by, uh, um, you know, you, your spouse, your family, something like that. Um, then, uh, you know, in most of these cases, we're looking at uh, the principal residence exemption, uh, making it so that there's no tax on that. Uh, you know, it can go up in value um, and, uh, you know, there's no taxes paid on that. And, and this is a great opportunity for people because, uh, you know, if you're investing in, you know, stocks and other things, uh, you know, there's, there's generally taxes on that. Um, whereas, uh, you know, if, if you've uh, um, bought smart Smartly, uh, on the real estate side, and, and things have gone up in value, um, you can keep a lot of that profit. 
Now, what a lot of people, uh, you know, don't don't realize is uh, there's been some changes in this area. Um, so back in the fall of 2016, the government changed the rules on this. Uh, in the past, uh, you know, unless there was a, a partial um, principal residence exemption that uh, a person was claiming, um, if if you were really looking at the at, at the full um, exemption, you didn't have to report anything. Uh, and and so I, I think a lot of people got uh, in the habit that uh, if this was your your primary home. Home, this is what you lived in. There was no revenue or, or commercial, um, you know, benefit from that. They didn't have to worry about the taxes because there there was generally no reporting on that. Uh, and so, you know, you'd, you'd sell your home, you'd, uh, you know, move up to a, a nicer home and uh, live in that for a while. And, 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 and the tax issue never really came up. With the changes uh, that uh, this, the CRA brought uh, about in uh, fall of 2016, um, we have to be a little bit more careful on this because now there's always a reporting requirement. Uh, even if you're claiming a principal residence ex- exemption, uh, if you've owned the property for the entire term and, and there's a full exemption on that, um, there's still reporting that has to happen to the government. There may not be any uh, taxes owing, um, but you still have to report that sale and, and the gains on that on your tax return. Uh, and so this is, is going to be, uh, you know, a bit of a shift for people to realize that. And, uh, you know, accountants are going to be bringing that uh, to people's attention. But, uh, you know, maybe if they're, they're doing their own taxes or, or maybe aren't aware of this, uh, uh, it could skate under uh, their radar for a little bit. Um, and, you know, that's not something that uh, we certainly want people to uh, be in a position uh, with, uh, because of course, uh, you know, late filing with the CRA uh, incurs penalties. Um, in this case, I think the penalties are about $100 a month, um, uh, capping out at about $8,000 in total. I want to ask about GST on non-principal um, residence exemptions, because if you own your own home and you sell that, as I understand it, you don't pay GST on, on the purchase or on the sale. But if you have... Uh, other property that is not considered your principal residence, when you sell that, is GST a factor? Yeah, G- GST uh, generally isn't a factor on uh, you know people's uh, you know regular homes, especially if it's a used home. Uh, you know, you may have lived in it for a while. Um, you're selling it to another individual. Um, there's no GST on that. Uh, GST generally comes about uh, when you're purchasing a new home, uh, and and often you're uh, buying that from a corporation. You're buying that from a builder, uh, and so on. On new homes, uh, there's there taxes on that. Uh, you know, of course, uh, GST is is also an issue uh, if um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a commercial property, uh, or, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's a, uh, you know, long-term rental owned by a corporation or something like that. So power of attorney is in place. The family home has been addressed. Now let's talk about the family business with legal counsel, Henry Villanueva. Henry, let's talk about succession planning. And I think with this topic, let's start with a case study. Bring us something that uh, a client came to you and said, I want to do something with my business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just want to share with you a story that I had about a client of mine. Uh, they were pretty much a very hardworking couple here in Calgary. They were involved in the manufacturing business and uh, they've been working all their life. They started their business from scratch with $50 in their bank account. And after 20, 30, 40 more years, they built it into the one of the biggest here in Alberta. Now, one of the reasons they came to us was that they wanted us to help them on how they can 
get out of the business. Not that they didn't like what they were doing, but they were getting to a certain age where they wanted to spend more time taking their grandkids to hockey practice, to soccer practice, and they just didn't have that flexibility at this time. So we talked to them on what their plan was. We asked them about their business and what they wanted to do with it. Frankly, the lady was ready to go. She said, I want to pack up. I want to sell my business. I want to be done with this. I've achieved so much with this business and I'm fairly happy. The problem we had was with the husband. The husband said, I love my clients. As much as I would want to spend time taking my kids and watching their championship hockey matches, I want to take care of my clients more. I want to spend more time with them and deliver the good service that I've been known for because the business is my family name, Peter. He wasn't ready to retire. No, he wasn't. So we uh, talked to the couple about uh, the options that they had. And among them were maybe uh, trying to transition the business to one of their kids, their grown kids. Another option would be, as the wife would love to, to sell the business in its entirety. And when you sell a business, Peter, there's two choices there, an asset purchase or a share purchase, but we can talk about that later. Another option is to sell to a competitor, which the husband did not like at all. But there's some benefits to that as well, and we can talk about that as well. Another option, Peter, is succession planning to a key employee or to a third party. So these are the options that we uh, presented before them. And ultimately, which one was picked? The one they picked was succession planning to a key employee, Peter. And let me uh, you know, give you a rough overview on why that was the ideal choice. Succession planning to a key employee was chosen by this particular couple for their business was because the husband still wanted his feet in the water. He still wanted to make sure that his customers and clients were taken care of and he trusts this key employee of his. So what he did was we developed a share purchase agreement where the employee would purchase the shares gradually from the couple. Hence, the couple still yielded control over the business, but slowly as the years passed, this employee gained more and more equity of the business. It explains why Sherry McMillan often says it can take up to 15 years to transition a business. When you get into a situation like this, it doesn't just happen with the stroke of a pen. It takes some time. That's true, Peter. And Taking your time on big things like this requires planning because you can't just transition your business with a, snap of, with a snap of a finger. You have to think about the implications. What will your clients say? All of a sudden they walk in the office and they find a new face who they haven't met in their previous dealings. It'll be a surprise to them and it might turn them off as well, Peter. So if you do a slow transition, you're basically introducing your clients to new faces and you're introducing your key leadership team to your clients as well in a different capacity. Was it a challenge in the transition to make sure that the original owners of the business had the cash flow that they needed, uh, even as they were slowly surrendering control of the company and the time they spent in the business, uh, that they had the cash flow that they needed to have the lifestyle that they wanted? Yes, that was a major concern for them because they were concerned that their cash flow would be diminished and they might not have the same lifestyle that they're accustomed to. First of all, we emphasize that the company is yours. The money that you had put in there and the, the growth of the company is there for you. And there are many strategies or techniques for us to preserve this cash flow or capital in your favor. 
And among one of them is what you call an estate freeze, freezing the value of the company as it is today into preferred shares, like poker chips, Peter. And then when the time comes and you need this capital or funds, you can cash in those poker chips or preferred shares at the tax rate at that point. So it's like a ca- like tax deferral as well and managing uh, the cash flow at the same time. But here's what's interesting. The issue of cash flow mainly comes up for the key employee or the succeeding team because these individuals weren't sure if they had the money to be able to buy out certain shares. So people usually think that they have to save so much money and able to purchase shares in an existing company. But the fact is, it doesn't. There's many facilities out there and options where people can raise capital to purchase shares as well, Peter. And the business is an ongoing, going concern. So the business is generating cash flow that can be put to use, I would think, uh, in, in, at some point in this process as well. That's true. And the fact that it's a going concern, that's gi- that gives a lot of comfort for the purchasers or the transition team that, you know, they would want to buy the business. Where are we in the process now? I mean, is it a completely matured process? Has the new team taken complete charge of the company or are we still in some state of transition? The original founding members are already gone and the new team is in place. And you can't prevent every now and then old grandma and grandpa still pop into the shop and say, how are things doing? Plus, they even ask for a discount on merchandise with the new owners. And of course, the new owners have no resistance to that. The discount is all theirs. Before we leave you, here's something to think about over the summer. Proposed changes to Canada's Income Tax Act are liable to have a significant impact on many Canadians. If you are a farmer, a rancher, or own a professional corporation, you should know what these proposed changes mean for you. If you have a life plan or a business plan, you're going to want to talk to your financial advisor. If you don't have a plan, now's the time to develop one. Think about investing 90 minutes in your financial future on Thursday evening, October 26th at the next Macmillan Estate Planning Seminar. Call the office to register weekdays during business hours at 403-266-6464 or register online anytime at macmillanestate.com. I'm Peter Watts. Thanks for joining us on The Strong Room on News Talk 770.